This is an NAC podcast. Welcome to the We Love Canadian Music Podcast. I'm your host, NAC Presents Executive Producer, Heather Gibson. We Love Canadian Music brings you up-close and personal interviews with Canadian musicians on far-ranging topics from life on the road to the artists they find most inspiring. Join us every two weeks for a new interview. So today we're talking to Lynn Miles, uh, who is born and bred in Ottawa. Is that right? That is not correct. Well, where are you from, Lynn? I'm from Sweetsburg, Quebec, which is in the Eastern Townships. I was born there and I lived in the Eastern Townships for a couple of years. And then, then we moved to Montreal when I was a kid. And then we moved to London, Ontario. And then we moved to Ottawa. So if you weren't from Canada or the East, where are the Eastern Townships? Oh, the Eastern Townships are in Quebec, uh, east of Montreal, along the U.S. border. And um, and is it sort of a feeder community for Montreal? Um, yeah, it? it's a vacation. There's a lot of vacation uh, houses there. Right. Uh, so you grew up mountains, in a vacation area. Mountains, skiers. Well, I didn't spend that much time are there. You I spent more time in Montreal. No, I do not enjoy skiing. Of any kind? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Never, not even as a young person? No. Ah. I tried it once. I used to cross country ski a bit and then my I had a bad experience with really cold feet so I never went back. Oh, yeah. you just said forget it. Forget it. But you're a skater. I am a skater. Cuz if you live in Ottawa, there's a fair bit of opportunity here for outdoor things. It's fantastic, yeah. The skating is great. Right. And cuz being from the coast or have living on the coast for so long, uh we don't really get the opportunity to do to have a solid winter. Right. Um, which is good in some sense because you get um, a lot more of the rain and a break to the cold than you do here because mm-hmm. it can really settle in here. Yes, it can. But so you're a skater. Did you ever play hockey? No, I don't like hockey either. Oh. Yeah, I'm one of the few Canadians who doesn't like hockey. So you never watch hockey and have nothing to do with it? Well, the reason I don't like hockey is because when I was a child and we lived in Montreal, we'd have to go watch my brother play outdoor hockey when it was like minus 50 degrees, right. six o'clock in the morning. And so I've loathed it ever since. Yeah, and then my father was a huge fan. So if there was something on TV I wanted to watch and there was a hockey game, the hockey game would always win. So I'm just not a fan. Right. So you learned to not like it. I learned to not like it. So you end up here in Ottawa. Is that when you started writing songs? I started writing songs when I lived in London, Ontario. I started writing when I was about uh, 10. Um, That's when I got my first guitar and just started writing from then. So self-taught? Self-taught on guitar. And I I studied uh, violin and flute in public school and then in high school a little bit. And then I, when I was 16, started to take piano lessons with my babysitting money. Uh-huh. So what was, the, what was the push behind getting a guitar? Is that something that you wanted to do? Your parents said Lynn should learn an instrument? or I saw a woman on, on the uh, Ed Sullivan show playing a guitar and singing 
and I thought I wanted to do that. I don't. <laughs> do know you remember who it was? I had, to this day, I don't know who it was. And my dad said on the day I was born, my dad said, "Oh, she has a singer's mouth." And my mom, <laughs> my mom said, "I think that's a compliment. I don't know." Um, uh, and my mom said that when I was a baby, she knew I was asleep because I'd stop singing in my crib. So I just always loved singing. And then I, when I saw the woman with the guitar, I thought, yeah, I want to do that. So I asked for a guitar and I got a guitar for Christmas, which is awesome. Ah. Yeah. So the, and then it, everything's been downhill since then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's just been a big losing streak <laughs> from day one. Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. So then you went, so you were the, the lead flautist at school. I was. I did play flute in the orchestra, and we did play Bach and Beethoven and that kind of stuff. And I did play second violin as well. So um, by and large, that's not in the schools anymore. What do you think about that? Do you think it's, is it affecting kids the way that some people think it is, or is it not a big deal? I think it is. I mean, the, it's the only reason I went to school. I probably would have quit if there was no band. if there was no band. Yeah, because I wasn't, I failed math, and I didn't like... I love science now, but I didn't enjoy it in school. And um, yeah, it was the only reason I went. Do you think that that's just a, a cycle that we're going through of, of removing those things from schools and it's going to come back? Or do you think that that's a thing of the past? I'm so cynical. I think it's a thing of the past. I think it's all about money. Right. You know, whenever there's money involved, the good stuff loses. Right. Yeah. And the... Um, what do you think it, it gave you as a kid? You, know, you say it gives you motivated you to go to school, but what was it that gave you as a kid going to band? It made me feel it made me feel a part of a group because I was shy. It was a way of self expression. Um, it made me feel good about myself that I could do this thing. Mm. I could make music out of this instrument and um, just felt good. Yeah. Yeah. So did you start your your professional career as uh, in a band or as Lynn Miles solo up on stage by herself? Solo up on stage by myself at a high school talent contest. Ah, did you win? Uh, I didn't. Did I win? I can't even remember. I might have won, but I also, well, I don't know. Actually, I can't remember. That's really interesting. Um, it's probably I, some gal with a baton beat you. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Some witch. Um <laughs> Uh, but I also used to go to the Bayshore Hotel, which was out in the West End. It was pretty heavy, but they had a talent night, open stage night, and I would go sing Neil Young songs. Oh, I, was, yeah. I was underage, yeah. and I would win a bottle of Matus. Oh. I, I won every time I went there, I won a bottle of Matus. Matus, yeah. the good stuff. The really good stuff, <laughs> yeah. And so did you spend a lot of time... Um, Sometimes these days I'll get sent um, some decent songwriting, like a, a recording or a YouTube or something. But oftentimes, someone who's never performed. And so it sounds to me like you were more of that traditional path of um, you honed your craft live on stage in front of people. Yes. And is that terrifying? No, I loved it. You loved it? <laughs> yeah, I'm an extroverted introvert, so... I'm happy when I'm alone and I'm happy when I'm on stage. Ah. Yeah, I loved being on stage. I still love being on stage. I so love playing right now, my not, songs. not so much. No, not enjoying this not at all. Not enjoying this at all. <laughs> Actually, I, I do enjoy a nice one-on-one -on -one conversation where there isn't a lot of small talk. I right. find small talk quite exhausting. But um, yeah, I love to be on stage. I love playing my tunes on stage for people who want to hear them. It's like, it's my favorite thing. 
So was it a mix of Neil Young and yourself and others, or did you have a sort of repertoire of cover songs? I had a repertoire of cover songs, but I was also, you know, starting to write my own tunes and I was sort of shy about playing them. But lots of Gordon Lightfoot, and I did get to tell Gordon Lightfoot that he taught me how to finger pick and that I used to sing his songs in my bedroom when I was feeling sad and shy. And yeah. He was very sweet. Yes. Um, it's a very nice man. Yeah, he's a lovely man. Um, so, yeah, and that and a lot of sort of 70s stuff. I love Linda Ronstadt's voice, so I would just, you know, put the guitar down and try to sing along with her stuff. And she has a huge range, so yeah, I would... Not easy. That's sort of how I, you know, try to stretch my vocal range by singing along with her. Yeah. And then I, I, I found Lou Harris and Graham Parsons and all that sort of Americana, early rootsy stuff. And I love the songwriting. That led me to a lot of songwriters that I really loved. Right. So who are you listening to these days that's new? Is there anyone on that sort of, you know, are you a fan of Brandy Carlisle, that whole new generation of singer-songwriters? Um, I like what they do, but I have to say I don't, I'm not really listening to music right now because I'm writing Right. And uh, I, I tend to read books more than listen to music. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of go in spurts while I w- will listen to a lot of music to see what's going on. But I find I can't really have it on. I'm not a background music person. Yeah. I have to be fully engaged. Or I don't I understand those people. I can't listen to it. Like, I can't go to a restaurant if there's loud music. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. But there's even people who work with the radio on constantly yeah, in their office. Yeah, that's... that's yeah. I don't know how people do that. I know. It's but like I they need a, it's like they were raised with white noise or something. Yeah. It's sort of constant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm very people who know me well know that I'm happiest in silence. Yeah. Which is kind of a I love silence. Silence is a good thing. Silence is good. How yeah. is other people? Okay. <laughs> um But yeah, I do like I do pay attention to that stuff, but I can't say that I could tell you particular songs that I like at this point, but I'm just like really right now reading like a book every two days and, yeah. and writing a lot. So, And so when you write, is it lyrics first? No, it's a, it varies. It's like uh, a lot of times I, I like to write from the title. So I'll come up with a concept. Like um, I'm working on a song right now called Tumbling Dice. Ah, kidding. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I'll come up with a, t- a concept, which I then use as the title Right. And then that, to me, whenever I come up with a line like that, it already has an inherent rhythm to it, mm-hmm. which then also has a melody to it. Um, I'm writing a song about the wilderness right now. And when I say the word wilderness, it has it already has a melody in it. Wilderness, in the wilderness. It already sort of has a flow. Right. And so I use that. And then I take the concept... And I do a lot of wringing out of the concepts. So I'll just like read read books or go online and read articles about the wilderness. And I'll, I'll, I'll just like wander through the woods and what am I picking up on here? And what does it mean? What does is, what is the actual concept mean to me? And then I'll just write pages and pages of the concept stuff. And then I'll take, and I'll also write, I like words, I'm a bit of a word nerd, so... If there's a word that I love, I'll write it down. And if I think it relates to the song, then I'll try to get that in somewhere. Because I, I like, like words that are evocative. Hmm. And so uh, do you find when you're doing writing that, that a lot of things sort of tumble from one to the next? Do you get stuck in kind of a, a theme? 
of things when you say wilderness do you get sort of you know you also talking about outdoors or you're talking about does it get stuck there or do you kind of you're all over the place i'm all over the place and i i'll, I'll find that i'll write a couple songs that are sort of leaning in the same direction so if i'm writing a song about the wilderness i'll write some, something about a tree um and, and i'll pick the best one or i'll i'll amalgamate them if i can um do you get stuck anywhere typically like is it one of those things where things are going along really well and you know damn it it's the bridge again I, I, I'm, oh i love writing bridges i'm kind of like the bridge queen if anybody needs a bridge written on your gal just <laughs> contact me yeah i love writing bridges I don't get stuck. Like I, I, I'm always writing and I don't get stuck and I don't, I think I don't get stuck cause I don't give up. I think sometimes it'll take me 10 years to figure out a song and I'm okay with that. Right. I accept that that's part of the process. I'm not in a hurry to finish something. Um, and I won't play it unless I feel like it's done. Um, and if there's one word that's really bugging me, I won't play it until I fix that particular right. word, till I find the perfect word. And if it takes me 10 years, then so be it. Because mm-hmm. um, the song is the most important thing. So, and you're not in a hurry. Not in a hurry. I think because I'm not in a hurry, I don't get stuck. Like I don't feel like there's it's a race. Right. I've got to get this bridge written. No, I might get this bridge written next year. Yeah. yeah. And so do you do much co-writing? Yeah. I yeah. do at this point, yeah. And do you find that that sort of approach are the people you're co-writing with, they have the similar approach or is it challenge? Uh, well, I did the Lynn's record and Lynn Hansen and I write, we write really well together. We're actually pretty fast and we kind of write in a similar fashion, similar style. Um, I'm writing with a young writer in Ottawa named Julie Corrigan and we kind of have a similar style. Um, yeah, it's it's... It's it's a little bit it's you're having in a relationship right and it's it's fairly intense because it's an intimate relationship because you're writing stuff from your heart and your soul and so you, first of all you have to trust the other person like the the rule I have is that you you can say anything you want and you won't get laughed at you know mm-hmm. even if it's a goofy idea you have to put it on the table because it might evolve into something really fabulous right but we have to hear it first and as soon as you're not as soon as you're sort of editing yourself of what you're going to say, mm-hmm. then you're editing yourself. Right. And the initial outlay for songwriting is to not edit to yourself, to write to every stupid thing you can come up with, whatever it is, you put it out on the table and then you look at it and say, okay, well, what is this? What, what can we do with this idea here? Mm-hmm. And so the people I write with are willing to do that, which I appreciate. Right. Yeah. So back in October, uh, you came and performed with the National Arts Center Orchestra. Oh my God! And um, and it was interesting during that show to me because there was one song that you got to, and I can't remember what it was, but you said to the audience that uh, Peter, the arranger, he wanted to do this song and you didn't, and you'd sort of felt it was like Lynn from twenty years ago. Yeah. But he had had kind of uh, brought new life to it in his own vision. So in that show, when you're working with an arranger, is it the same thing? Were you co-writing in a way or did you leave Peter and he went and did his thing and came back to you? Well, I write pretty complete songs. And so I had all, I have 900 songs. I had to go through the ones that I hoped would lend themselves to an orchestra. And I also wanted him to have some freedom. Mm-hmm. So I would just send him a bunch of songs and see if there were songs that he felt he could really add something to. And he picked that song. I don't even think I sent him that song. I think he had an old record in that song. Yeah, I think you said that, yeah. yeah. Um, but, 
And the reason that, I mean, lyrically for me, it was a bit tired or something, or it's not the person I am now, but that's, that shouldn't stop you from, you know, Elton John still has to play Rocket Man. It's like... A little Crocodile Rock. Crocodile yeah. Rock. You know, it's sort of like, you wrote the song, and, and if it's a good song, or it's a song that, that you know, people like, and, you know, it's good to go for it. And it was actually good to revisit it. And I loved, like, melodically, I like the song a lot more than I do lyrically at this point. But um, but he did such a beautiful job with it that I, I went with it. Because I also want him, he's my collaborator, so I want him to do the things that spark, I don't want to quote Marie Kondo here, but spark joy. <laughs> um, there I did it. Um, but, you know, I want him to be happy and to feel like he's, you know, an equal partner in this. So, yeah, but all the songs were written and then I just handed them off and I said, do whatever you want. If you go too far, I'll let you know and we'll pull it back in. But he never did. So, so, but in that situation of when he says, this is the song I want to work with, or did you ever have an urge to try to adjust those lyrics? Or did, were you able to just say, okay, that's from another, that's, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I thought about it. Uh, and I, it could still happen. Like to me, a song is never done. So mm. I sang it that night in the way that I wrote it when I was, of a certain age and a certain time in my life. And it was interesting because when I did that show, and thank you for that show, um, I feel like it was the best night of my life musically. Mm. And the reason for that, first of all, playing with an orchestra, um, and I just felt like everything I'd ever done, which is like to prepare to be able to go on stage, to write songs, to be calm, to be to be able to be in the moment when you're singing, which is su such a joy. It's the greatest joy. I I managed all that stuff that night, and it, it was so comfortable. I felt so comfortable on that stage with the orchestra and with Peter. I felt like Peter really had my back. And everything that I'd done in my life to me was there for me, and and. It's a great, it was a great lesson and um, it was just like, it was so fulfilling. And I lived off the joy. I'm still living off the joy of it. And was it the first time you'd played with an orchestra like that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, how did you find um, the back and forth as, as songwriters? And often we find with bands um, in particular, I found more than, than solo songwriters, uh, they're not used to having that sort of back and forth. They're used to being the front. This is the song, and this is how we play the song. Mm -hmm. and, and but what was interesting to me about Peter's arrangements is that it's almost like he arranged both, mm -hmm. right? He arranged both for you and what you were doing, and for the orchestra. So in some ways, because um, this sessions, which is what the thing is called, the series is called, it's been really interesting to watch how each songwriter and or or band has mm -hmm. approached this. And how their arrangers have approached it. Yeah. And did am I right in saying that? It, did it feel like that you were sort of with the orchestra? Absolutely. Yeah. I think also because I've played violin and flute in an orchestra, mm -hmm. I knew, I, f I felt really comfortable. It wasn't foreign to me. Right. And I also know when you're in an orchestra, you want to be able to do stuff that's interesting. And I felt like he had given them some parts that were interesting for them. 
And a lot of times in these kinds of shows, you'll use more strings than anything else, right? It'll, it'll be very string pad oriented. But because he's um, a clarinetist, he right. used a lot of woodwind and brass and and he let those people shine. And I thought that was really lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did it in a way, it wasn't bombastic or anything. He did it really subtly, but put it in the right place. And um, I liked that we were together. It wasn't the Lynn Miles show. I liked that that there was this, because when I play with a band even, I don't like to be far away from the band. I want them beside me. I want to play with the band. Mm-hmm. Whenever I go see somebody play and the band is behind them, I think that that's not fun. You want to, you're, you're a musician. You're in this tribe together. These are your people. Right. And it's great to be in the middle of them and, and hear the actual, like to hear a, a violin playing in your ear while you're singing or a cello or a flute. It's beautiful. It's like, it's vibration, right? It's beautiful. So I loved being in the center of it rather than being out front. Yeah. And it's not a question of like being shy or anything. It just loved i loved the sound around me it was beautiful yeah well it was a beautiful show thank you and um uh what's what's next then are you writing for an album or are you just writing for to see where the songs take you i'm just writing because that's what i do i i don't know if i can do another album they're so expensive Mm. and because of streaming the sales have gone down so much right that it's not it's really not a viable model anymore even though my demographic, I feel like they're the last demographic that buys CDs. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know if I can afford to do it. But I just keep writing anyway. I don't know what I'm going to do with these songs. I know I'm going to play them. Um, but I have no idea. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, it seems that the, the stream for singer-songwriters is live performance and then sometimes... Yeah offstage sales depending on where the demographic is. Yeah, and, and sometimes that can be great and sometimes not. So it's yeah. a bit of a crapshoot now. It used to not be such a crapshoot. It used to be a little bit more steady and you could count on it. Right. You know, and now you can't count on it. Now it's kind of a gamble. Right. Yeah. Well, it would be an interesting evolution if singer-songwriters stopped producing recorded material and it became something that you only could see live. I mean, it's a, to me, that's an interesting thing to sort of philosophically think about. It is. But there is an impulse, like I've been doing this, I've recorded 15 albums. There's an impulse in me to write a song cycle, pick the songs that belong together and then go in the studio. Like the studio is part of the art at this point, right? So that's sort of heartbreaking to me Mm -hmm. to think that that might not happen again um, because it's so creative and it's so much fun. And then then you're setting your songs free out into the world and letting them have their lives and... And then you can, you know, birth more songs. And it's like this sort of cycle that happens. So if if, if I don't make a record, there's sadness to that. I get it, but it's, you know, part of And the so world. is there is there room in the that ev- that evolution, say, of how some genres have started releasing so much on singles and on EPs? Now, and that's changed, I think, how people are consuming music, right? Yeah. There, there's, there's less consuming music as a, an entire album um do you think is it i mean because people i'm sure listening don't understand how how expensive it is or how this this works necessarily but is there room in that of you go into the studio and you do two or three and and you sort of like you say let them go and and in your case probably cbc picks them up or you know so there's would hope (laughs) 
Could only hope. Thank you, CBC, <laughs> for all your support. Um, um, you know, is that is that a different model that not necessarily that it doesn't yeah. get into a 12, 10, 12 song pressing? It's a different model. And, uh, you know, I've thought about doing, uh, you know, starting a song of the month club. You know, I have enough songs to do a song of the month for th until I die. So it's like I could do that, get a membership thing going or something. I don't would, know why would, that reminded me of the Columbia Music. Exactly. Get 30 albums exactly. for a penny thing. Exactly. Yeah. How did they? I don't know. I don't know, I don't how, know, they, know how that they worked. They were the original. <laughs> they were the original uh, Spotify. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like that, I think, you know, the other thing too is, like, you know, I'm 60 years old. So I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen eight tracks and, you yeah. know, CDs and, and um, cassette tapes and stuff. And so it's constantly, it's changed constantly since I started. And so it's going to keep changing. Yeah. Um, so I have to be open to whatever's going to happen. I think that's the key to not be defeated by it, mm -hmm. to find a way, if there's a rock in front of you, find a way to go around it kind yeah. of thing. Well, and I'm a firm believer that that even though there's, you know, there's always been on radio in particular um, music that doesn't appeal to me, that there's always been this sort of the mainstream side of things, um, you know, has its place for me as much as the other side of me, which mm -hmm. is 80% of me that is interested in a great song. And I don't think I'm alone. I think that that I think that that radio will always exist. That mainstream radio will do it, whether it's satellite, terrestrial, digital, whatever's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It will do its thing. Mm -hmm. It's where does that and and right now I'm actually feeling like there's a bit of a resurgence of the great song. Um, like there's you're feeling that I am, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, like uh, I'm not going to remember his name because I'm on, <laughs> you know, talking lot, talking, you know, with no editing. But yeah. um, you know, the redheaded guy from from the UK. Um, Ed Sheeran? Yeah. Yeah. So like that guy, he's like... He writes great songs. He writes great songs, but yeah. he was also the number one grossing touring artist last year. And I think Adele did so well because the songs are great. Yeah. And we're so, we're getting not used to it. So when we hear it, we go, holy cow, what a great song that is. Yeah. And what a great song. Yeah. What a great voice. What a great voice. And we can great hear both of them. We can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I agree. I think there's a... I think we want that. I think some people don't realize they want it, but I think... I think a great song will always win, mm -hmm. right? Always. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that that even, like, sometimes people think that when I talk about great songs, they think, I mean, not pop music. And I don't, oh, I don't, because there's some great, great pop music. I love pop music. Yeah, there's great songs yeah. in pop music. And, and I just think that, that they're not, some of what we're hearing is not those those songs yeah uh, you know th that's not necessarily great pop music is not necessarily on the radio um yeah. you know or not necessarily coming up on your streaming service of whatever that might be yeah um i'm like a holdout i still don't have any subscription to a streaming service i which, don't either yeah <laughs> <laughs> i have people colleagues who think it's crazy that i do this job without a streaming service but i i struggle with you know what i also i also buy books because i want authors to be paid right. like i'm old school i i, I think what the what a lot of people don't understand is the the amount of work that goes into a, a song coming out on the radio, whatever. There's so much work behind it. There's so many people behind it who need to make a living in order to keep doing it for the next person. If you don't support that infrastructure, there will be no infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Studios will close. And, you know, it's great to make a, a record in a really great studio. It sounds better. Right. It feels better. You might not, as a listener, understand the difference but you can hear the difference it's great to work with a really great producer it's great to have really expensive mics sometimes 
all those things cost money. A record costs money to make. And if the artists aren't uh, getting a return for that so that they can make another one, they can't make another one. Mm. That's just the way it is. Studios will close. Engineers will go get different jobs. It's it's sort of like journalism in a way. Right. Like how many, you know, how many newspapers have closed and where are those fantastic writers and journalists? You know, where did they go? Yeah. Um, well, and it's, you know, I think that it's also um, sometimes what gets lost is that it's an art form and that you're an artist. You're not, not every artist is seeking some sort of fame and no, fortune and radio play. Not. And, no. you know, and, and I think sometimes people forget about that. It's like, oh, well, you know, if she just did this, well, that's not what your art is. That's not what I'm, I can't do that. Yeah. It would destroy me. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's that place of what is, what is the place of the artist in the Canadian well, society? And this is a big discussion. And I also am a huge supporter of the idea of the guaranteed annual income. I think right. that would just save so many people, not just artists, but, you know, they did a, they did a project in Manitoba and I think in the seventies and they came to realize that the depression rates went down, the addiction rates went down. Uh, kids who thought that they'd have to quit school to go work in the field got to go to university. Artists got to do more art. Um, it's just uh, for people on the edge, especially creative people, mm. imagine that you wouldn't have to think about, am I going to be able to pay my rent this month? You mm-hmm. know, what a great stress reliever that is. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to whatever it is that's next. I have they some ideas have of what it might be, but but <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully I'll have some influence over it. But thank you so much for talking to me. Um, this is Lynn Miles, and uh, we're very happy to have you here. Thanks, Heather. It's nice to be here. Thanks for listening to We Love Canadian Music. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast. We hope you'll give NAC Presents a like on Facebook and find us online by searching for NAC Presents. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.